We're driven by the search for better. But when it comes to hiring, the best way to search for a candidate isn't to search at all. Don't search match with Indeed. Indeed is your matching and hiring platform with over 350 million global monthly visitors, according to Indeed data, and a matching engine that helps you find quality candidates fast. Ditch the busy work. Use Indeed for scheduling, screening, and messaging so you can connect with candidates faster. Leveraging over 140 million qualifications and preferences every day, Indeed's matching engine is constantly learning from your preferences, so the more you use Indeed, the better it gets. Join more than 3.5 million businesses worldwide that use Indeed to hire great talent fast. And listeners of this show will get a $75 sponsored job credit to get your jobs more visibility at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Just go to Indeed.com slash BlueWire right now and support our show by saying that you heard about Indeed on this podcast. That's Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Terms and conditions apply. Need to hire? You need Indeed. What's up, y'all? It's Drewski, and I've teamed up with Mountain Dew to produce a hilarious new basketball podcast called The Dew Zone with Drewski. Learn the backstories of your favorite ballers and celebrities like Jamal Murray. Did you have, like, a favorite team? Was it the Raptors at the time or no? Was the Raptors even started around that time? Come on, bro. I ain't that old, fam. <laughs> You're talking like I'm 50. Taylor Rooks, Asia Wilson, and many more. You won't want to miss this. Listen to The Do Zone with Drewski on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, and wherever you listen to podcasts. Hey, everyone. It's Lindsay Rhodes, and I've got a new podcast, The NFL Road Show fun and kind of nerdy conversation about the NFL every Monday, Wednesday, and Friday. I've got some amazing guests that are joining me. I'll be breaking the huddle with the top stories, previewing games. We'll get you set for the weekend fantasy with our Fantasy Friday episodes, and we'll answer some of your questions as well. So subscribe to the NFL Roadshow on Apple Podcasts, Spotify, or wherever you get your podcasts. Blue Wire. What is up, Nets fans? Welcome to Brooklyn Buzz. I'm Nick Faye. With me as always, Jack Manuel. And on a special Christmas edition, we're talking about a Nets win. Jack, how are we doing? We live, baby. We live. And happy holidays, everybody. And those that celebrate Christmas, Merry Christmas. And we hope you enjoy today's Nets victory, 123-95 over the Boston Celtics. Kevin Durant, Kyrie Irving cooked in that second half. But as always, you can find us on all streaming platforms, including otgbasketball.com, netsrepublic.com, and Blue Wire Pods. But Jack, where do we start with this one? Um, Nick, is 7-Eleven open on Christmas Day? I guess so. I'm going to guess for everybody. Uh, absolutely, <laughs> man. I when the, the, the We can go sort of through the game or whatever. We can go through the players. We can sort of free-fall it a little bit. But that first half were, was a slog fight. And I kind of, in a weird way, liked it. Because we spoke about the Golden State game. And it's like, how much can you sort of take from it? We saw, you know, Milwaukee destroy them again today. Whereas you want to grind against those sort of good teams and then sort of get the ascendancy. We saw, I saw defensive principles in place against like Jason Tatum, Jalen Brown, two of the best wings in the NBA, let alone the Eastern Conference, making things hard for them. And I just thought, I'm like, you know what? I don't mind this. And then I'm, I, I, there was just a, an innate confidence that I had. Yep. I don't think I've ever had where it's just like, oh, yeah. Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving will probably take care of this at one point. And then the third quarter happened, and, Ky- and Kevin Durant scores 16 points, and Kyrie Irving scores 9 points. And then Kyrie Irving just is has 37 in, in the blink of an eye. They are so damn good, man. So damn good. Yeah, like you said, Jack, we were kind of DMing a little bit, and we're like, oh, you know, first half was sloppy. But to an extent, like you said, you wanted to see the second half because you wanted to see the reaction. And having Kyrie, having KD, and just – you, we felt that sluggish en- energy in the first half. You know what I mean? It's just like you play on Christmas Day. Sometimes it's hard to get up. You know, first road game of the season, obviously no fans. And then, you know, either Steve Nash, Kyrie Irving, Kevin Durant, maybe there was some type of halftime speech. Or maybe Katie was just like, all right, I'm ready to take over. Because he really set that tone to start the second half. And then, like you said, Kyrie just caught fuego. Like 7 to 10 from 3. Like, good luck winning. 7 to 10 from 3 for him. 3 or 4 from 3 from Kevin Durant. You have two of the most dynamic shot makers in the NBA on one team. Pick your poison. It's just like, okay, let's show awesome defense on Kevin Durant. You know what? I'll kick it out to Kyrie, and Kyrie's going to hit a contested three from 28 feet. Yep. You know what? Oh, I can't get past Marcus Smart because he's playing good defense. I'll kick it over to Kevin Durant. He's going to drive past Jason Tatum for a dunk. 
it's it's you, you, I don't I I put out earlier in the preseason. I'm like, you know, there's the best superstar during the league. I'm gonna put it out again. I know there's still some LeBron and AD lovers out there, and I don't disagree. LeBron and Anthony Davis are two superstars that are a one. But man, after two regular season games, and I think offensively, I, I don't yeah. think it's rash to say that these two are better on both ends yeah. of the floor. There is no doubt that Anthony Davis is a defensive player of the year candidate, and LeBron James when locked in is one of the great wing defenders in the NBA and one of the great chase-down blockers ever. But Kyrie Irving, we can talk about both of their defense if you want as well, Nick, because Kyrie Irving's looked locked in there, and Kevin Durant hasn't lost a step other than maybe a few little things which, which we can discuss. Yeah, like you said, we talked about it before we jumped on the show. Katie's looking good. The only thing is the closeouts, and maybe that's a little bit of rust. Maybe it's something with the Achilles. But uh, What I think it is, Nick, I think he's over-eager, and I don't hate that. I think yeah. there's just like he's trying to get to everything, but he's doing too much. His mind's mm. sort of moving faster than his body is. And I don't hate that because you would rather, you know, I think that that's something where he can sort of fine tune a little bit himself. He's like, you know what? Keep my feet down here. You know, it's semi ogile taking the three or Peyton Pritchard. Yeah. And look, Peyton Pritchard's all right at the three ball, whatever. But in that sort of respect, it's like, you know, KD, you know, you don't have to jump there. You can sort of yeah. keep, keep your lower body to the ground. And, you know, one-on-one, he's looked immense, tremendous. You know, on possessions on Jason Tatum, he makes it hard. Jalen Brown, he makes it hard. And that gives me the world of confidence about our wing defense and uh, against the likes of Giannis and LeBron and these guys going forward because Katie's locked in. You know, one-on-one possession, I'm pretty damn confident with having him on the floor. Yeah, when Jason Tatum was starting to kind of heat up, you saw Katie kind of take it upon himself like, hey, I'm going to slow this guy down. And there was just possessions. His length is frustrating. And off ball, we saw him get a couple seals when the other nets are playing well and you have Katie on weak side and they're trying to throw that that pass to the three-point shooter either in the corner or on the wing. That length is there. It's in your way. It just makes it that much more difficult. And like you said, Kyrie showing effort. Like, that's what he has to do. He's never going to be an elite defensive guy given his measurements and athleticism. But what he can do is play hard and use his quick hands and just be aggressive and make the offensive player uncomfortable. And he's doing it right now. It's game two. And it's a team that he definitely wanted to beat. But let's see how it carries on throughout the rest of the season, too. Yeah, two games. And I, and I think, you know, obviously there isn't the greatest backcourt. I mean, if you consider Jalen Brown like a shooting guard, whatever, or, you know, small forward, power forward. But, you know what, Marcus Smart as, the, as your starting sort of point guard, yeah. you know, there isn't a lot of offensive talent there. But, you know, we saw it against Stephen Curry as well. You know, he's just made, he's showing energy, like you mentioned, Nick. And I think he's being disruptive. You know, and yeah. I think he's showing energy and peskiness. That's sort of like what you would see from like a, a sort of Patrick Beverly type because he knows that behind him, there's the likes of Kevin Durant, Jared Allen, you know, and DJ occasionally steps up there yeah. every now and then. Not necessarily today, but today, especially Jared Allen. You know, Jeff Green is continu- continuing to be quite consistent on that end of the floor. So I think that he, I mentioned this on the last podcast, he's got confidence that the guys behind him are going to back him up. You know, there's just... Great switching as well. You know, when he can't get through the screen, screen, sorry, you know, Carlos Vert's going to be there or Spence is going to be there. The communication's on point. And I can't remember who it was that said it on Twitter, but it's like the empty arenas are almost positive for yeah. these sort of new teams to establish their sort of identity and get the communication levels up. You know, if the if the Barclays Center on opening night and Kevin Durant being announced, he wouldn't have been able to hear shit if you know. Yeah, it, it would have been lit as hell. Same, you know, with um, you know Boston uh, TD Garden. You know, the the amount of hate that Kyrie Irving would have been getting, um, and for some reason he's still getting. Um, I, I don't understand from there, but you know, we're not going to discuss that. We don't give a shit about what Boston Celtics fan think. But <laughs> the the defense looks incredibly good, and Steve Nash echoed those sentiments as well in the post game. He's like. The defense looks better than our offense. Do you agree with uh, Coach's sentiments? I think I understand what he's saying. The offense, I think, is still better because of the talent that's on that end of the floor. So you don't necessarily need things to be perfect execution like we talked about. Still sloppy passes, too many turnovers, things aren't fully in sync. But given there's so much talent, like it's just going to score a lot of points. And I think there's still plenty of little adjustments and actions they can put in place to essentially make them undefendable Like because they're that good of a team. And yeah. defensively, I think you're seeing more of the scheme because there is issues in terms of the talent. But like you alluded to, Kyrie has confidence in the guys behind him and it allows them to all play aggressive. Like, I think Joe Harris is playing some of the best defense of his career. Um, career, yeah. In the first two games, obviously, not a big sample size. But I really liked his toughness. I like his positioning. I think Spencer's done a good job. You know, we've seen flashes from uh, Karis LeVert. Yeah. I thought Landry Shamit had a couple issues today. But he had some also some other good plays, like you mentioned, Jeff Green. So it's really that 
full buy-in from the team is always going to make you look better. Like you look at a team like Golden State, we talked about Steph Curry, not an elite defender, but understands the system, can play in the system, and allows them to still be one of the best defenses possibly of all time with that Golden State team they had, you know, 2016 through 18. Yeah, the system is always greater than the player, unless you are, yeah. you know, Draymond Green or, or Rudy Gobert when you are the system. You know, then yep. there's times where defensively a system is built around a player, offensively or defensively. But right now, the collective is just greater than the common good, and that's been a that's been you know an, an, a, a, a common sentiment from past seasons for the Brooklyn Nets. It's yeah. always been about collective buy-in, and can we get everyone sort of contributing at that point in time? And a lot of the times it hasn't worked, but last season for a, a large majority it has. And a heap of credit goes to Ime Udoka, Jacques Vaughn, those 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 guys. They just understand, okay, we've got all these sort of rangy athletic dudes. We can gamble a little bit more here. We've got Jared Allen backing them up. We've got KD backing them up. You know, we've got these guys who are, you know, making things hard and really clogging the paint and clogging the lane so they can't necessarily get to those easy positions, those high percentage shot positions. And I think that those sort of... The, uh, those sort of parameters and those sort of focal points are why the Nets are playing such good defense at this point in time because they're playing, they're doing a lot of similar things that you would see, you know, a Toronto Raptors and a Milwaukee Bucks do. They sh- they sort of shovel you in to the bad positions or they shovel you into the bad offensive players. And sometimes when you have Jason Tatum and, and Jalen Brown, they just good offense always beats good defense. But at the end of the day, the principles are solid and they just need to maintain consistency on that end of the floor to you know be a good enough defensive team to win a championship. Yeah, and like you said, Jack, it feels like they're doing a little bit more disrupting and being aggressive and making the offensive team uncomfortable. Where last year, like they played a more of an analytic scheme where it's like, hey, we're not going to give you threes or layups, but you can shoot mid-range shots. Where like Nets are still giving up mid-range shots now, but it's not to the same extent. And I feel like teams got comfortable in the past. And then all of a sudden, you know, yeah, it's 10 mid-range shots, but Jason Tatum is cooking right now and he's super hot and now he's going to carry that on through the rest of the game where now they're not really giving guys that opportunity to get hot. Like, they made a great effort to, even though Jason Tatum and Jalen Brown had solid games at some points, like, they made an effort to focus on those guys and try to take them out of the game or make it as difficult as possible for them to score. Yeah, no, big time. And and I think that one thing we mentioned in, in seasons past is you know, forcing turnovers is an area yeah. that the Brooklyn Nets weren't good at. And, you know, we said that they needed to clean it up a little bit. And, you know, they still had 16 of them tonight, but the Boston Celtics themselves had 15. And, you know, mm-hmm. a lot of those were live ball turnovers, which, you know, Kyrie Irving in the open court, you know, good luck with that. And, and, and you know, points off turnovers, the Nets had 17 to 14. So they gained the ascendancy there. And you don't want to give yep. easy points away. And the Brooklyn Nets, you know, it's a big part of their system to be able to, you know, gang rebound. And I think rebounding as well. You know, I've made it sort of like a, a bit of a focus on, on the last sort of couple of pods that I'm like, you know what, the, the Nets are kind of defending, um, you know, getting the boards quite well here. And, you know, while they might not have necessarily won the battle there, you know, 47 to 43, Tristan Thompson is just always going to be immense there. But, you know, 34 defensive rebounds. You know, they got killed on the offensive glass a little bit, but they were able to stop the possessions and then also create offense by just getting those boards and going, you know what, all right, we're going to force the misses here. And, you know, 20, forcing, you know, 29% from three. You know, there's all these little things that allowed the Brooklyn Nets to get into their offense where, despite Steve Nash might say, they have a lot of strengths there. Yeah, no, I think the transition offense is huge based off of how they want to play. They want to push the pace, and that's just easy buckets. And with so many dynamic players, it puts the defensive team in such a weird position where like, hey, you know, maybe we're going to stop this, but now all of a sudden when the KD comes down the floor, he has a mismatch on somebody else. So even pushing in transition if you don't get the bucket can be so effective for an offense because you get those mismatches that are so important when you have two of the best offensive players in the league. Absolutely. And, you know, you've got guys in the perimeter like Joe Harris kicking it out yep. to Landry Shamit. And the Nets don't have bad three-point shooters, it seems, other yep. than our big men. And um, it's, a, it's a welcome sight to see. One thing I will say about the sort of early points of the game as well, Nick, fuck Tristan Thompson. He did a... Oh, couple- on that... Yeah, style player. I'm just like, oh, but another Boston Celtics player pulling out a dude's shoulder. Absolute clown. Yeah, that, that was a bad play, especially because... The ball, like, was already kind of past them, right? Like, and he's yeah. just I, – I didn't like that. Yeah, I didn't notice it live. It's I was not, watching – Sort of Twitter, yeah. Yeah, I was watching with family, so I wasn't as locked in as typical. But still, like, when I saw it, I was just like, come on. You were on that team. You were on the team where Kevin yeah. Love got his <laughs> shoulder dislocated. And I'm pretty sure you were one of the guys that probably tried to fight Kelly Olenek. Like – yeah, it's a it's a clown move from TT. And look, at the end of the day, we got the W. So uh, he That's can. Why Kitty su- cooked his ass. Yeah, he can 
suck the L. You know, I, I put it out like on. Uh, I've been using this meme a lot, and I'm going to continue using it. Uh, Moira from Shit's Creek and the mother from Home Alone yelling out Kevin, and I'm just uh, like, just Tristan Thompson has to guard him. I'm going to use that probably every single game because Kevin Durant is just a goddamn superstar. He's he's so damn great. Nick, what I guess did we you can think of that decision though, Jack, of from Brad Stevens to start Tristan Thompson and Daniel Tice. Like they don't have any other guys, Nick. Like I, I, yeah. I see that's fine because. Look, what are they going to put out? A, a, a couple of rookies or whatever? They don't yeah. have the depth in the rotation. And that's something that I talked about on the Celtics Lab. And, you know, Alex mentioned and Justin mentioned and Cam and Nick mentioned on, on their podcast. Check it out at OGBasketball.com. They sort of mentioned that as well, that, you know, the depth of their rotation is going to leave them quite shallow. Whereas the Nets are the complete opposite. And we've sort of yeah. said everyone else has acknowledged that. And we've seen like 538 pieces saying how, like, you know, was it, like 600 minutes or something of, you know, stardom level minutes in, in our bench or, or whatever it was, you know. I didn't, I, I looked at it, but I'm like, I already knew this. I didn't need, you know, a, a, a blog boy website, as our, our boy KD would say, to reinforce that. My eyes and everything that I see, and I guess it sort of just reinforces that notion. Yeah, agreed. I Like you said, we kind of already thought that, but seeing the statistics back it up, you're like, holy shit. Like, I, then we thought, I thought the numbers were high, but I didn't even realize they were that high. Like, the, Cause it's so many guys have started games for the nets for not the nets, like whatever it is. Like these are guys that are, are playing for your second unit. 2020 has reshaped how we work and it's almost over. Businesses across the globe are challenged to be more efficient, which means every hire is critical. Indeed is here to help. Indeed is the number one job site in the world with more total visits than any other job site. According to Comscore. Indeed helps you find quality candidates quickly, so you can focus on hiring the person you need to keep your business going. Unlike other sites, Indeed gives you full control and payment flexibility over your hiring. You only pay for what you need, you can pause your account at any time, and there's no long-term contracts. And now, Indeed's new way of matching with candidate instantly delivers a short list of quality candidates whose resumes on Indeed match your job criteria that you can contact the moment you sponsor a job making Indeed the only site that moves as fast as you do. Right now, Indeed is offering our listeners a free $75 credit to boost your job post, which means more quality candidates will see it fast. Try Indeed out with a free $75 credit at Indeed.com slash BlueWire. This is their best offer anywhere. Go right now to Indeed.com slash BlueWire. Offer valid through December 31st. Terms and conditions apply. The wait is finally over. Football is back. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at BetOnline. BetOnline is going the extra mile to make sure you can get on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, BetOnline gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to BetOnline today. Take advantage of all the great sign-up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word, BetOnline, your online sportsbooks experts. And it also goes to show is like, I said to you, like, I thought the second unit was bad in the first half. A lot of that was Karis LeVert struggling with Boston's defense, putting a lot of pressure on him. Second half, second unit was fire. Like, I thought they came out, played really well. A lot of that was Karis LeVert. But I think, you know, obviously when you're the main component of the second unit, you're going to kind of dictate the play to an extent. What did you think of Carlos Levert's game tonight, Nick? You know, uh, night and day. First half, I felt like he was just, he wasn't locked in. Like, I just felt like he lost a little focus, got a little careless with the ball, let Jeff Teague steal it from him. And Jeff Teague, like, yeah, he has quick hands, but that's just a mistake you can't really make. Seven turnovers, I think I'd probably guess four of them came in the first half, if I had a guess. And then second half, just looked more aggressive in his game and realized he's Karis Levert and to just calm down and play. And then he was starting to hit shots that we saw him hit in Boston last year when he dropped 50. Like that one pull-up over Jeff Teague. Jeff Teague was in his face. He didn't care. Yeah. It, I, I just see confidence in him no matter yep. how the game is sort of going. And, you know, as a three-headed sort of monster, and you've got, you know, Karis, Ginobili, Manu, Levert, <laughs> whatever we want to call him. I'm sure there'll be merch and stuff coming soon around that. But he's so damn good, Nick. And, and we saw it against, you know, the Boston Celtics in the preseason. It's just like... You know what, Jeff Teague's going to stop this dude? Barbecue yep. chicken, my guy. Absolutely. And for the record, I, I wanted to be clear on the, the stat that I, I sort of alluded to. In, in And it's via basketball reference. The Brooklyn Nets had, you know, 605 
minutes, how many games, sorry, 605 collective minutes from guys who started that are on their bench. Jared Allen, Torian Prince, Bruce Brown, Landry Shamet, Karis Levert, Rodens Kuritz, Jeff Green, Tyler Johnson, and TLC. Over the past two seasons, the next best is Cleveland with 310, Sacramento with 286, the Clippers 279, Utah 271, and the Lakers with 270. So the... And I think some of that is obviously, you know, because they last year's team, last yeah. year's team, a lot. So you take it with the grain of salt. But you know, I don't think that that number is as 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 inflated as it should be. But it's it's clearly reflective of it. And you know, you now have Karis Avert, who is legitimately playing like an all star. You know, the way that he's he's performing right now, and the way he's performed in the past, he is a fringe all star, and he's coming off the bench. No other team in the NBA has an all-star coming off the bench. Jordan Clarkson, sure. Dennis Schroeder, sure. Karis Avert, yes, please. Yeah, and I want to say Landry Shaman bringing up the ball and setting up Karis Avert sometimes I think is the way to go. It takes a little bit of pressure off of him, which I think he struggles with at times, of being sometimes that point guard. And when he can almost just be like the playmaker slash scorer type guy, you know, coming off a dribble handoff, just getting the pass from Shaman on the wing, whatever it might be, it felt like that was a little bit more effective. And it makes it a little bit harder for the defense to just kind of lock in on him. And I felt like that was part of the problem in the first half was just like, the Boston knew what he wanted to do, and he wasn't changing what he needed to do. Yeah, it, it was a lot of stagnant and not a, not a great level. Yeah, it wasn't just him too, like you said. The offense just was a lot of stagnant, like a lot of watching Karras. And some of that's just the skill sets on the floor. Like Torian Prince, we don't want him making plays. Yeah, I mean, like he, the the play of him might take it that deep, like 20-footer. It's just like, really, dude, like you're playing some decent basketball right now. We don't want you, it's not Tuesday. We're not allowing you to take that until Tuesday. But yeah, the, the first half was 51 points and the second half was 72. It's okay. reflective of Karis Avert's game as well. And yeah, it's sort of, I think as well with that comes the intangible energy from just like, you know, your superstars. I think there's an intangible energy around the team in terms of yeah. just like swagger, confidence. Jared Allen's complaining about foul calls. Karis Avert's complaining about travels. We wouldn't have seen that last year. Guaranteed yeah. it. I didn't think that he... I'm just curious of what you thought about the, the jump stop. I thought I that was think, a clean jump stop. I, I thought it was as well. And uh, we got... Like, if that's uh, not it, then how do you do a jump stop? <laughs> uh, to, to quote Karis Avert, and uh, for kids listening at home, uh, fast forward about 30 seconds. What the fuck? Like, he said... I was just like, I love that from Karis! Because <laughs> I was just like... Oh. I mean, I'm not like a travel expert. I know we have those on Twitter, but like, I was just like, oh, that looked clean. Like, that was a nice ass move. Like, what, Raf? Yeah, yeah. I, I don't know. And then, you know, Jared Allen getting called for certain fouls. And it's just like, you know what? Give him his fifth block. You know, he's been, if Jared Allen's complaining, you know, it's probably a bad call because he doesn't yeah. complain. Like, he knows, he knows how to play incredible, fundamental, sound defense, verticality, yeah. all of it. And Nick, by God, Jared Allen's continuing to improve. And Steve Nash alluded to it in his presser as well, sort of saying that, you know, that boy's going to get paid. And uh, I think the, the bigger the throw, the bigger the confidence, and the better the play. He is dominating. Yeah, I was watching with basketball, like I said, with some family. And I was like, yeah, I like the bench player better than the starter explaining the center situation. And they're all like, yeah, he seems like a better player. And I'm like, yeah, he is. Like, he's just so much quicker. Like, his recovery speed is just so great. And he can switch on to guys like Jason Tatum. Yeah, Jason Tatum had a couple nice finishes on him. But most bigs are getting embarrassed. Where Jared Allen's contesting that shot and putting him in a difficult position. And, I mean... Five offensive boards, including some monster ones against Tristan Thompson, yeah. one of the best rebounders in the NBA. And it was nice to see because Tristan was pushing him around a little bit. And Jarrett's like, OK, I'm going to push you back and I'm going to get these boards. And he puts them down, too. So I really love the way he's playing. And I, we talked about him on the preview a little bit. And I said that he could be the surprise player because of the impact he can have in the other areas where the Nets lack. And right now, it's, it seems like that's going to be the key, especially if he gets even more minutes. You know, the minutes were pretty even tonight, 21-19, you know, via him and uh, DeAndre. But I could see games where he's playing more because I felt like the Nets wanted to go to him earlier in this game, maybe too, just because of what he brings. Yeah, I mean, there were a couple of nice offensive plays for DJ in terms of, you yeah. know, Katie and Kyrie would just time their lobs so perfectly to him down low. And, the Katie-DeAndre you know, Katie connection seems like it's going to be something. I, yeah, I'm, I'm, look, and that's something that, and, you know, it's like when Kevin Durant, we have to, you know, allude to Kevin Durant's awesome comments, Charles Barkley, you know, sort of, you know, uh, you know Kevin, it, it looks like you've been working on your game in the offseason. Has that been the case? Yeah. <laughs> Best response 
ever. Shove yeah. that up your ass, Chuck, and work on your golf swing, my guy. Um, <laughs> but yeah, he's clearly standing up for his boys in, in DJ and Kyrie there for sure. I'm a big fan of it. But yeah, in terms of the game, Nick, there's something that comes from like, you know, just synergy with your friends. So when, yeah. whenever we get on a podcast or I get on a podcast with Nick Busing or I get on a podcast with Corey Waldron, there's just an intangible energy and you just have this awareness of like, you know, when to pause and when to let the person do their take and sort of just, yeah. ha- you know, just react and, and that sort of thing. You know, it just comes from friendship, man. Friendship. I really liked it. I felt like also DJ does a nice job of like creating space for Kevin Durant. Does so well. And for Kyrie as well. I'm doing a breakdown of Kyrie Irving for Nets Republic. His screens, like if Mm -hmm. we're talking about like screen assists for Rudy Gobert is like getting him $40 million, then maybe that's why DeAndre Jordan got $9 million. I don't know. <laughs> yeah, I mean, especially for the ones on Kevin Durant, because I think maybe because he's so slim, he can just kind of like glide on his body and it's just like, boom. And he gets him to his spots. Like that, him going right on the DJ screen, like it seems like it's a, it result in a bucket every time for either KD or DJ. Jared Allen did a couple of nice ones as well tonight. Yep. It seems to me that they're not calling a lot of the ones that they probably would have called. And we, we had... We saw Jared Allen getting in a lot of foul trouble at early points of last season yep. because of, you know, and I think that now the Nets have this sort of superstar aura about them because of KD and Kyrie, they're getting some friendly calls and we have some people in, in OTG sort of saying, you know, the refs are poor, blah, blah, blah. But it's just like, you know what, Marcus Smart, get out of KD's space and you're not going to get those calls, my guy. Yeah, and I just feel like also the Nets players, the non-stars are even getting a little bit more leniency with the refs in terms of talking. Like, I saw a lot more communication with the refs. Maybe that's something Kyrie and Katie told them. Like, hey, guys, you guys can talk to the refs and ask how to not get called for a foul. Because even Jared Allen, I saw him chatting with a ref, and that's yep. not something he really does. No, nah, no. Nah. And, and, and I think it relates to the earlier point that I made about just the the confidence and swagger of this team yep. right now. It's just like, you know what? We can take on anything. And uh, we live, baby, as uh, our boy Kyrie Irving uh, was alluding to. And, damn, there's Nick ha- – the Basquiat jersey. I got three pieces of it. <laughs> nice. Man, what'd you get? What'd you get? I got a hat, a hoodie, and a t-shirt. Respect, man. Now I'm 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 trying to cop um a KD tee, but there's no no Kevin around one, so I think I'm just gonna cop a Kyrie over one because I don't have any Kyrie merch yet. But then I'll try and mm-hmm. find something around Kevin Durant. But it looked nice, and I really want the the long sleeve ones as well. The sort of warm ups. Yep. They look really slick. Yeah, I have the hoodie, and it has like the paint down the sleeves too. So it's like. I don't know. It's it's nice because it also passes as like fashion. Yeah, that's you know one, what I mean. That's one thing that the Nets do super well, and I alluded to in the last pod that there's you know the the crown biggie one. Yep. Just love the Brooklyn way. Um, obviously a, a great biggie line, and I got a hoodie like that, and I wear it out, and it's sort of like at sort of sports culture like hype stores yep. in in Melbourne. And I saw another dude with it, and I'm just like, really? Do you even know like this team? I felt really pissed off, but um, that that's where that's should have hit him with a quiz. I know yeah. players on the net. <laughs> hey, all right. Um, what did KD shoot tonight? Uh, 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 <laughs> nah. It, but in saying that. I think that there's just a, a good energy from the Brooklyn Nets, Nick. And I mean, we can dive into a little bit deeper into into their games. Are there any sort yep. of guys that you wanted to talk about offensively, defensively? We've spoken about Jared Allen, how damn good he was. I think one thing I will say about Jared Allen before we do move on, Nick, he's playing when the game matters most. Yep. In that third quarter, in the early points of the fourth quarter, Jared Allen's out there getting offensive boards, getting four freaking blocks. Double-double machine uh, is at it again, obviously with just one point away. And I will say it again, Nick. Them free flows are looking nice. Yeah, they are. Yeah, five or six tonight, and just the confidence is there. He looks like a player in a championship team. You know what I mean? Like, he doesn't look timid. Like, he lost some of that timidness. Maybe it's training with Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving and then pushing him a little bit further. Maybe it's DeAndre. Maybe it's Amari Stoudemire. Maybe it's Steve Nash. Who really knows? him up a little bit tonight. I I think that... Matt Brooks did a really good article for Nets Daily about saying how this could bring out the best of Jared Allen and the best of our center rotation. You know, as much as we don't want to say... Who was De- gassing him up, Jack? I missed it. DeAndre Jordan. He was oh, sort of like oh. cheering for him on the dunks and the offensive yeah. boards and stuff. And I think that that's what comes from winning. You know, if the Brooklyn yeah. Nets weren't winning right now, Jared Allen might be pissed about not getting more minutes or DeAndre Jordan would be like, you know, I'm the starter. I should be getting those minutes. But you're winning and it cures all, my dude. Yeah, it really does. And if he's buying into that role... And DJ gets to start for his ego, but he lets, you know, he's happy with Jared Allen closing. That might be the perfect combination for the Nets. You know, it's not really going to be a big factor, you know? That's all that matters is that it works and it creates productivity. Um, look, as, as poor as DJ might be in certain sets on, on both ends of the floor, he's still, you know, what what is it? Like plus five tonight? 
Now, obviously, yep. it wasn't a plus 18, as, as Jared Allen was, and, and plus minus is a, an, iffy sam- an iffy sort of statistic, but you take it with a grain of salt. So, look, yep. KD, DJ is still at least somewhat of an impact, especially in the offensive end and when he's actually showing some effort on the boards. You know, when he gets out for rebound, that's when... He it's got just- really up for that one oop. His yeah. elbow was above the rim. Like, his head was almost at rim level. I was like, what? Yeah, he's, he's, he's still got a little bit there. He's still got a little bit there. It's like him and Jeff Green. Where one of them is going to have, like, a, a ferocious dunk per game, it seems. You, know, yep. you can always bet on that. But, Nick, are there any other guys you wanted to do? Yeah, dive? let's talk to your boy Joe Harris. I think he deserves some more love. We mentioned a little bit I was really happy with his defense. But three of six, nine points, uh, two of four from three. I just feel like also Boston is one team in the league that really respects Joe Harris because of the relationships there between some of the guys. So he doesn't get the space and they really focus on him. But I feel like that's what opens up things a little bit more for Kevin Durant and Kyrie Irving. Like, not that they're playing off Joe Harris, but he's impacting their play because he's creating more space for them. Yeah, he's been Team USA, obviously, with a lot of the Boston Celtics. So he's, he's got some relationships with them. And also, there, uh, I, in the Kyrie Irving breakdown that I did, one thing, whenever there, there's op- opportunities in transition, Joe sprints. He yeah, runs he does. hard to get to his spot. And a lot of the, some of the time, he's not rewarded. But the gravity of him just running, it's like J.J. Redick or Kyle Corver or Duncan Robinson. You know, Duncan Robinson obviously had a great game today. These guys change the spacing of the floor just by being yep. there. You know, Stephen Curry has done it and, and made, you know, turned himself into one of the best players of all time because of yep. that. And there was one time tonight where Kyrie Irving was awesome because Joe just sprinted. He got to the sort of left sort of elbow perimeter spot. Got the shot and just goes bang. I'm taking this. This is. I'm. I'm only going to get a couple shots tonight, and I'm going to let it fly. And you know, I think that one thing that we're obviously going to do better than general media and stuff is be able to analyze these guys individually and what they provide the team tangibly yeah. and intangibly. And Joe's gravity is huge. Landry Shamit's gravity may not be as big, but it's still quite there. And yep. one thing I like from him tonight, and you know, you can obviously give your take on, on Joe Harrison a little bit, but Landry Shamit was good off the bounce, good off the dribble, and good at facilitating. We chatted about this a little bit off wax, but yeah, what was your thoughts on Joe Harris's game, Nick? Yeah, Jack, I think like you already have to worry about Kyrie and Katie in terms of isolation, possessions, pick and roll stuff. And then, yeah, we have this off-ball monster, Joe Harris, who just doesn't stop running nonstop. And like you said, in transition, he's constantly sprinting. Like he's outrunning multiple players on a single possession. I thought Boston did something that was a little sneaky in this game. I don't know if it was intentional, but if you noticed, they didn't get called for a delay a game, but they touched the ball after made baskets more than I've seen a team do in like the last two seasons. And if you recall in the preseason game, the Nets murdered them in transition. And then in the second half, they stopped doing it as much. And then all of a sudden, what do you see? The Nets transition points pick up. I just thought that was a little thing, a little heady thing from Brad Stevens. I think he's a smart, clever guy that would kind of tell his team to do it if his team didn't caught. But Joe Harris definitely takes advantage of situations. And let's talk Landry Shamit. I feel like he's going to be constantly a guy that doesn't put up stats but has an impact on the game. Like he didn't hit his threes, but it felt like he had more than one three tonight just because of the gravity he provides for the team and for that second unit. It's like when you have Carlos Severn and Landry Shamet in in the same sort of lineup. Landry Shamet, like we mentioned before, you know, when we're alluding to you know the 600 freaking games uh, combined of of starters, you know, Landry Shamet is one of those players, and he's he's played it, you know, for the Los Angeles Clippers in meaningful playoff games against the Golden State Warriors, you know, a couple of years ago. So, look, I think that he provide. It's there's a lot of intangibles that you know we like alluded to. Landry Shamet, I think, is. You know, he got to the free throw line tonight, which I thought was nice. You know, he's yep. showing aggression. You know, I think he has to balance that out and, and go, you know what, all right, I've got to kick it out. I've got to move the ball a little bit more here. But, you know, he's he's providing this team a lot. You know, he what whatever role that he has, there'll be a night where he goes 5 or 10 and, you know, Joe Harris might be a little bit colder. But you have Joe Harris and Landry Shaman and the, the threat alone of just their presence, like I mentioned, uh, is is huge. It really is. And you know, Landry Shamit's going to work himself into it, but he's still doing a lot of great things, fundamental things that are helping this team win. He seems like a smart basketball player, just offensively at least, like the way he moves off ball, the way he relocates after a pass sometimes or a drive. I think for him, and this is more of a long-term development, is kind of developing that in-between game. Because I'm not, he doesn't have the same body type as Joe Harris, so I don't think he'll ever be able to be as dynamic as a driver. So it's more so of being, you know, that floater, that pull up, and you know where Joe just has the body where he can kind of shield himself. Where Shaman, I just don't think he'll get that type of size. 
Yeah, and I think that like as a secondary, secondary, secondary playmaker, you've mentioned to this yeah. to me off wax, and you know, and Robert Flum mentioned on the podcast as well. And we know about like his days in college. You know, he was a point guard. Now, yeah. obviously, when you get to the NBA, your role does change, but you don't lose that skill and knowledge of how to sort of run the floor and how to read the floor. He still has that intelligence, like you alluded to. And when Karis Avert's out there, you know, and spend, you know, Spencer might be on the bench, or you know, Kyrie Irving might be on the bench. You know, Landry Shamit is a capable enough sort of, you know, backup ball handler dude who can handle it. He's got a, a decent enough dribble. So I think that, you know, he's providing things for this team that creates a winning basketball place. Agreed. Agreed. And I think even like there was a couple possessions where he brought the ball up and Marcus Smart was on him and he didn't get it stolen, which obviously doesn't seem like a big deal, but it's still like Marcus Smart's a guy that's going to get those steals. So if he can keep developing, that's part of his skill set. It'd be huge for the team in the second unit. And I think it'll alleviate a lot of pressure off Karis Levert. Yeah, no, big time. I, I absolutely agree with that. Nick, what do you think about Spencer Dinwiddie? Yeah, it's really hard to read Spencer because, like, the numbers, the plus minus, everything looks good. But he seems just like a touch off on the court. But, you know, they're winning. The impact is there. The defense is there. Maybe it's not perfect, but the length, the athleticism, you're seeing that. I think he's just a guy that's going to have to get in a groove at some point. You know what I mean? I'm not sure if Steve Nash should really even – mess with anything yet no. because the nets are still winning and like give them time to adjust to the role and to be honest like if spencer gets hot from three that might change his entire impact on the team you know what i mean like if he starts feeling confident in his three-point shot which we've seen it happen in the past he has one of those months where he's feeling good it might just look all of a sudden like a perfect fit yeah i think that one thing he just needs to eradicate at least probably in the early parts of the game is the the pull up you know you know you're no yeah. longer you're not Kevin like he and I mean he mentioned in a in a post game sort of or a pre game presser with you know the, He's Nets the best media. long three point shot <laughs> and it's just like all right uh, Kyrie Irving took one from the logo the other day my dude uh, not and he almost did the same thing tonight <laughs> yeah like he was like only like a foot or two away from doing the same sort of thing so look I love the confidence and it's not to say that he is not a decent enough three point shooter he has gravity still there. But his numbers aren't reflecting of it. And, you know, he's not hitting them well enough yet to be able to warrant those shots yet. You know, if he continues to just be aggressive and you know, do what we saw in sort of the early parts of the preseason, which is like, be aggressive and have that mentality. And, and I'm, I don't really like that sort of reducing it down to that advice. But, you know, a lot of the bar, a lot of players say it. And for, for, for aggression, when it comes to Spencer, it's, you know, driving... And, you know, causing the defense to collapse. He's a good enough passer to either kick it out to whoever's on the outside shooting or whether it's DJ and actually getting a, a little bit better of lobs, passing it down low, wraparound passes rather than just all lob passes. I think he's good enough. And like you mentioned, Nick, when they're playing winning basketball and, you know, Spence is still good, doing decent enough things. You know, he got two steals tonight and a block. I don't think you mess with what's currently working because I think Spencer is good enough to can work himself into the game and to instead of vest at least the best version of himself within this system. Yeah, and like we talked about, you know, he's had probably the biggest adjustment on the team in terms of his role. It's going to probably take him the longest. And it's just like a tough thing for him to get. And we, it's funny you bring up the pull-up threes because that's something we've been asking him to remove from his game for like three years now. But like the pull-up three that he took, I want to say it was in the first quarter, he had yeah. an open lane to the rim. Like drive to the rim. If there's a guy in trans, semi-transition and you think like you're not going to be able to get there and it's a wide open shot – you want to take one that's cool, but if there's the lane there and you're such a great, you know, driver, hit the lane. You know what I mean? And I didn't really love the foul call on him. I know he gets that called on for a lot, but I felt like Tice was moving into his elbow. Like I don't really know what Spencer could have done differently in that situation. What is he supposed to like switch his shooting style and like swing it to the right? Like that's just a tough call for an offensive player. And he's done that in the past where it's been a lot more obvious. And it's just like, yeah. Spence, like, get that elbow down, my dude. Where it's just like Daniel Like Danny Tice. Green twice last year. Yeah, yeah, that game specifically comes to mind. But, hey, you can't argue with Steve Jabby, Nick. You know, he, he's always <laughs> on point. Jesus Christ, fuck that dude. <laughs> oh, God. Yeah. But I think I think he'll be okay. And like I said, even I'm like, nah, I mean, maybe this is a hot take, but even if Spencer didn't have a great season, he played at this level and still did some of the small things, I'm not sure how much it's really going to dictate the net success like he, they're obviously going to need him at certain points of the year to be better but it's not like they need him to be all-star level spencer they just need him to be a solid player 
Yeah, I'm just one. The only thing that could affect things going forward is, you know, Spence is in a contract year, and yep. if he continues to show this lack of form, does he want to be on the bench and, and cooking against, you know, second the second units like Karras has been of late, and Karras goes into that starting lineup? I think it's, you know, early early points in the season. Let's, you know, give it a, a 10, 15 game sample size to assess it, but it'll be interesting to sort of see individually how Spencer is feeling. Yeah, and it'd be interesting too if like this is the type of thing where maybe Spencer sprains his ankle and he misses a game and then Karis starts and it looks like it's a better fit. Does Nash stick with that and then let Spencer try to come off the bench? Like it's definitely an interesting dynamic. And given it's a shortened season, they have a little bit less time for adjustments and stuff. So, but still plenty of time. It's game two. We got 70 left. Yeah, no, I think that this team is well-equipped to make adjustments on the fly, given their yep. mentality and the, the mindset of their coach and the coaching staff. I think that, you know, the adversity came a little bit tonight in that sort of first half. We sort of said, you know, when we were previewing this game a little bit, it's just like, all right, what's going to happen when the game gets slowed down, when it becomes a grind, when the defense really picks up with a team that's as smart and as capable as the Boston Celtics? Can the Nets grind it out and still find their shots? And... They did. You know, it's it's tick um, after game two as well. And, you know, the next challenge comes against Charlotte. Yeah, and even when the sh- the defense is good, like the Nets just have the override. They have Kevin Durant. They have Kyrie Irving. So even on possessions where Boston, I felt like, played really good defense, you just had Kyrie Irving or Kevin Durant just hit a ridiculous shot. And then, you know, Karis LeVert did it on occasion too. So it's just like so hard for a team to deal with this, deal with the Nets for 48 minutes. But, Jack, any other players you wanted to talk about? Um, players and then a couple of quotes, Nick, because the fact that we're doing yep. this one a little bit later, we can sort of dive into some pretty cool, yep. pretty fun quotes. Uh, thanks to Matt Brooks and um, everyone else at Nets Daily and the Nets Media. Jeff Green, is other than LeBron James, is there a better 34-year-old player in the league right now? He is just so well-conditioned and just, he just, he plays fundamental. I've mentioned like fundamental basketball. He just makes good basketball plays. You know, he's still got athleticism about him. You know, he's still strong. He can still hit the three ball. He's going to be playing for a long, long time, it seems, Nick. Absolute yeah. steal yet again. Yeah, I mean, we're really happy with his play in preseason and the first regular season game. And then just overall with the signing, given the need that he fills. And he's really this perfect bench forward for the Nets that can also play small ball center. I mean, I don't think you could have asked for a better veteran minimum signing in free agency. I don't think there was one. Yeah, maybe like Markeith Morris is the only one that sort of comes to mind, but he was obviously a re-signer. Yeah, and I think Jeff Green's better than Markeith Morris. I don't know if that's a hot take or that's going to be an audio bite that I'm using for this part. But look, there's certainly an argument that can be made because I think both of the, I think Markeith obviously is a little bit younger and I think he's yeah. probably contributing a little bit more and playing and it's more valuable and playing, you know, 25 minutes rather than sort of like 15. I just think about it this way. Like if you put Markeith Morris in Jeff Green's role with Houston last year, I don't think he's producing at the same level in which Jeff Green did. Not to say that Jeff Green was some amazing player, but I watched Markeith Morris like miss seven shots in a row in numerous Laker games last year where he just wasn't good. So I, I like Jeff Green better. I think there's an argument for it to be Markeith Morris, but I think it's also some of like the Morris name. Yeah, look, I think we could probably, if we threw that up like a poll or like a, a comparison thing, I feel like that could be like a common Nets Twitter topic for the day. But yeah. we don't necessarily want that to be the case. We want to keep the focus on the winning, on the basketball. Nick, maybe the most excited I've ever been to not be at a Christmas party slash team dinner. Kevin Durant says the Nets are spending the rest of Christmas together with the team at a team dinner. I threw in the can I come to a little <laughs> gift there to, to Matt's um, little tweet. Um, God, how much do you want to be at that dinner? Yeah, that'd be great. I mean, the team's been together, I believe, Steve Nash, that they were practicing at 2 yesterday, and then they left to go to Boston. So they've been together since yesterday at 2 o'clock, and they're going to spend the night together. It's going to be awesome. And I, I think this is a great opportunity, obviously, two games again, but it's still a nice chemistry-building event, spending them a big holiday together after a big team win against a division rival and uh-huh. one of the, the foes of one of the big players on your team. Yeah, absolutely. And I think that we saw Kyrie Irving sort of like say, you know, we're on the road trip. Let's go, guys. You know, yeah. you know, they've always sort of preached the family sort of atmosphere in Brooklyn. And that's always sort of been a, a key. Kyrie's been really confident on those sound bites, too. He's like, this is a team that's going up. Like, we're skyrocketing or something. One thing I will say before we get to some more quotes, it, it's just cool seeing Kyrie happy, man. Because, like, yep. he deserves that. He gets so much freaking shit unnecessarily from a lot of national media and Boston pundits and whoever else. 
but he looks like he's just vibing out there and he yep. like he's happy you know we live all, all this sort of stuff and he's enjoying playing with you know he sees the potential in this team he's saying team 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 and you know yep. post game stuff he's like you know what i don't care about the individual accolades i don't want this stuff you know i'm validated already culturally i want to I, I know what team success you know means to me and i know that that could be my legacy all these sort of yep. things and it's you know it's just it's really cool it's really really cool to for a guy that you know deserves it you know he he deserves criticism every now and then for certain sort of stuff and you know we've given it to him before on different podcasts and i've been called out for it i've been you know put on wax for it (laughs) before as well but this current iteration of Kyrie irving you know there's quotes that you can take out of context but right now you have to find something to hate on him because he's doing he's been flawless as a leader and as a player yeah, he's answering everything the way the media doesn't want him to answer it. You know what I mean? It's so ideal and perfect and just supportive of the team and the goals that they have for this season and being a championship team. And I like the confidence he has and and also the support that he's giving a lot of the young guys. And I think Karis LeVert, after the Golden State game, talked about how Kyrie calls him all the time and gives him advice even when it's you know stuff that he doesn't want to hear, telling him like areas of his game where he needs to be better. And I think that's probably been huge for Karis LeVert and could honestly help explain some of the jumps we saw from him last season. Yeah, I think that styles of leadership mesh with different people and unfortunately yep. Kyrie Irving was figuring out his leadership style in Boston and it didn't mesh with Jalen Brown uh, especially and some other guys you know Jason Tatum obviously and look we saw Jalen Brown and, and Kyrie Irving hugging I think that they're totally on good terms but at that point in time the, the personality just clashed whereas it seemed just Karis wants that sort of style he wants that advice he craves it um, and as a three-headed monster man you know that things are things are going well no doubt about that but Kevin Durant also spoke to the media Nick and the question that seemed to do the round and was quite funny and funnily enough the person who asked it Tim Bontemps of ESPN uh, he was asked if he was surprised that he and Kyrie Irving have clicked this early one would answer no <laughs> I mean I'm I wasn't really surprised. Like, there was always maybe like, oh, are they going to have issues with, like, passing the ball? But, like, these guys have obviously talked about it. They've been training together this summer, and they know what they're getting into. You know what I mean? They made a joint decision to sign with this team. It wasn't like, oh, Kyrie Irving was here and Kevin Durant. I mean, Kyrie Irving was here and he recruited Kevin Durant. It was like they both came at the same time. Yeah, exactly. It, they, there's a desire for them to be great together. You know, they don't care who's getting the points. They don't care who's getting yep. the MVPs. Nick, right now, who would you have higher in the MVP race? I mean, after tonight's game, you'd probably have to lean with Kyrie Irving, I think. I think you would. I think you would. Kyrie was points. dynamic. Yeah, I mean, seven, like the three-point shot. I'm a big three-point guy, obviously, you know this. Uh, the 7 of 10 on those deep attempts coming off screens, like... That's the type of shot that makes a defense miserable. That's the type of shot that keeps a coach up at night. Especially, he's not going to hit it all the time, but even the the potential of him hitting it. And this kind of reminds me how we started last season. Just like so locked in, so such in great shape and just knocking down so many tough shots. Hopefully he can keep it up and stay healthy. Yeah, look, he, he will hit back-to-back threes on you. And it's just like one is deflating. Two is just like, God damn, what are we supposed to do? And... You know, Marcus Smart, you know, we, we will sort of look at a quotes from Boston as well as um, the Brooklyn yep. Nets. And Marcus Smart made a good point where it's just like, you have to be damn near perfect against this team. And yep. that's a welcome sight to hear already at this point of the season because the offensive dynamism of this Brooklyn Nets team is, uh, is, is, is truly amazing. And, you know, Steve Nash might think there still needs to be things that worked out. And you know what? I all might argue with that, the coach of our organization. Um, giving the ball to Reggie Perry, nice little touch from him as well. God damn, we can't love Steve Nash anymore. But yeah, the, there's just so many positive signs, you know, offensively, defensively, on the court, off court, Nick. It's uh, it's nothing but good things. Get that stage going, my man. Yeah, and I think you're seeing, like we talked about in the last show, you're seeing Mike D'Antoni's fingerprints on this offense a little bit. You know what I mean? Like, it, it's such a luxury having such a great coaching staff. Like, I think Steve Nash is doing a nice job just based off of some of the little sound bites we heard during the game and trying to motivate the team and try to push them forward. And then obviously, you know, the press conferences and Zoom calls or whatever, I think he's done a nice job. But I think a lot of respect has to go to some of the assistant coaches because we know they're putting in a lot of the work with the schemes and the stuff. Absolutely. And, you know, we gave them the, you know, M.A. Udoka and um, Jacques Vaughn, who, you know, former Brooklyn Nets head coach, you know, they deserve the love because what is being produced on the court right now is a product of the systems that they are implementing. And, you know, it's yeah. on the plate. I think that we, we've sort of mentioned this before in terms of what's the balance between the coaching and the players. And it's just like, well, the players go out there and do it. 
Now, are yep. the systems in there for them to succeed? You know, previously, in some instances, no. You know, Jared Allen is being unlocked as a player right now because the system is allowing him to showcase his versatility in a way in a drop coverage, which is like, Jared Allen can do this in his sleep. He can close his eyes and play, you know, decent in a drop coverage. But yep. if you allow him to be a little bit more versatile, then he is going to get better and better and better. And as Steve yep. Nash said tonight, incredible in some ways. I agree because in the drop coverage, you're not really getting to use his athleticism. You know what I mean? Like one of the, the key skills of his game and is just the speed that he has. So, you know, allowing him to be a more versatile and more dynamic on the court on both ends, I think is really something that's going to get unlocked throughout the season. We didn't necessarily see as many great passes tonight, but I don't think there was really the need for Jared Allen to be in those situations, especially the way that Boston defends a pick and roll. I think we are going to see the Brooklyn Nets win games in lots of different ways this season. Yep. Because I mean, there's... tonight they won pretty much because Katie and Kyrie decided they wanted to get hot and Jared Allen decided he wanted to play defense. And like, I mean, we, we didn't really say anything negative about a lot of the guys, but it's not like anyone else really played great other than probably Joe Harris would be the next best guy. I would say, you know, Kyrie was the best player. Katie was second, Jared Allen third, and probably Joe Harris. And after that, Karis Avert was bad in the first half, but he was really good in the second half. So it's like, you know what I mean? And Shamit was okay. He wasn't bad. You know, Torian Prince had probably a couple rough stretches. Jeff Green was solid. And Spencer was probably closer to solid to below average. So it's just like having Kyrie and KD can literally carry you to a win. That, and that's what superstars do, Nick, at, at the end of the day. And, you know, we're not necessarily yeah, used two. to it. Yeah, we've got two of them. Exactly. Best superstar duo in the league, offensively. <laughs> offensively, offensively. Don't at, don't at me. Don't at me. At the Jam and JVT, if you do want to at me. Um, <laughs> but in saying that, I just think that the, the one thing I wanted to touch on, Nick, and we got to get to it, there's more James Harden rumors to address. Uh -huh. Woj, Woj went on ESPN. He did his thing. He posted on his Instagram. I didn't even know Woj had an Instagram. He's now an influencer. He's probably selling, like, you know, weird antibiotics or he whatever. He wanted some free gifts. <laughs> yeah, definitely. It's, uh, it's, it's hard out there this, this Christmas season. But um, Steve Nash made a point of sort of shutting down those rumors a little bit. He was asked, has he had any conversations with Sean Marks about the Harden rumors? He said, I haven't had any conversations about him. So, you know, we definitely work in close proximity. I haven't had any conversations or any alerts. So maybe that says it all. Do you think that a lot of this stuff is coming from Houston? Yeah, I think so. I think at this point in time, there wouldn't really be much value in the Nets leaking things. Because they have to worry about that influencing the players that are currently on their team. And they have no guarantee in a trade happening. So it's like burning a bridge before you crossed it. You know what I mean? Like there's there's really no point in doing that. So I think it's coming from Houston. I think Houston is losing leverage by the day. That's why, you know, people wanted to say the Nets package was so bad. But this is why Houston should have took it when they had the opportunity. Because yeah. now... They're probably not that package is off the table. Whatever the Nets best package was, it's probably off the table. Or at least one of the picks or one of the pick protections is up. Like it's definitely more in favor of the Nets. And some of those other teams are looking at it and laughing. They're just like, Houston, you tried to play this tough game and James Harden is pretty much embarrassing you. And he's hurting his own value with the way that he's acting with the pandemic. Yeah, I know he, you know, some of the stuff was a little overblown, but still at the end of the day, the stuff that he did prior to training camp and all that stuff, it's just like showing no respect in terms of what the league is trying to do and then also no respect for all the people who could die because of the pandemic like yeah by the end of it like you know we can sing him he, he can come to long island if he wants you know we'll give him a spot <laughs> on the long island g league team because it seems to me by the day he's adding new teams new teams you know what portland you know what boston i put out on twitter i'm like you know the loser of this game has to trade for james harden Boston, you guys uh, put that package together. Maybe chuck in a semi ogelay and Peyton Pritchard. Maybe that might get it done. But look, James Harden, I don't want him. Simple as that. You know, you, these rumors were fun in the preseason, the offseason, where there was, you know, some general sort of desire there. And maybe there's some level of desire there still if there's a package that sort of, you know, uh, alleviates and, and, you know, benefits the Brooklyn Nets. But at this point in time, how does it benefit the Brooklyn Nets to trade for James Harden? How? You have Karis Levert playing great basketball. Look, we might give you Spencer Dinwiddie and we can replace them <laughs> what like for like. But honestly, there are so many other teams that are just like, you know what? Don't really care what James Harden's doing right now. And the Houston Rockets are uncomfortable, as comfortable as it bloody freaking gets at this point in time when you've got eight players healthy, apparently, for their next game. But look, keep him away from Brooklyn Nick because the good vibes are happening. We're buzzing over there and we don't need the toxicity of James Harden and everything that he sort of brings. And with the emergence of Jared Allen and this role that he looks like he could potentially have for this team in terms of a postseason run, they're not going to be able to replace that. 
Like no. James James Harden is he's going to be part of the James Harden trade. If you're not trading Jared Allen, you could probably talk me into the trade now. Like I think you can. Like I think that he's just a piece that you can't lose because the difference between him and DeAndre is so huge. And like he's, I get it. Like James Harden would make them godly offensively, but they're not far from that already. Yeah, no, it's it's true. And look. You know, we're now the big three era. You know, that's that's been and done, mate. We're in the 2020s now. We're in 2021. It's all about the superstar duos and depth, depth, baby. 600 goddamn games between you know our sort of bench uh, bench unit going forward. But one thing I wanted to ask you, Nick, because you brought it up, and you know, it made me sort of think: Is Jared Allen now a better, more valuable trade piece than Spencer Dinwiddie in your eyes? I think because he's a restricted free agent. Okay. You know what I mean? Like you're going to get the rights to him and you could retain him and sign him long term long as you want to match the offer where Spencer has a choice. And like we talked about, he might want to be in a role that he wants to be in. So I think Jared Allen probably does a lot of it's con- contract based. But if he continues to trend in the right direction and what we saw tonight, I think, you know, it's getting closer in terms of the player value, too. But I think Spencer's still a better player. Oh, no, there's no doubt. You know, you can easily replace centers in, in a lot of sort of respects, yeah. no matter how great the potential is of Jared Allen at this sort of point in time. Spencer Dimwitty as a, as a floor general, it's just a far more, far more important position. You know, yep. um, it, it's, you know, it's night and day in that sort of respect, but Jared Allen is, he's playing better. Um, that the, You know, his form is certainly much better, but he, it, his role is much easier to adjust to, you know, he's yeah. cleaning up, he's cleaning up the scrubs, uh, clean up the, the mess that, you know, whenever uh, Kyrie Irving and Kevin Durant do miss, you know, that's where Jared Allen uh, sort of chips in. A and, and his best skill is his defense. And that hasn't changed. His role in defense hasn't changed. If anything, it just got opened up where he can do more things and have more fun out there. Yep. No, it's a really, really good point. But, man, it's uh, game three's coming up soon, Nick. And we'll, the Charlotte Hornets, they're, they're, look, I think that their game against Cleveland was a bit of an aberration because, uh, you know, Gordon Hayward against his old sort of teammate as well and Kyrie Irving. The Nets, I think, there's a... There's danger for a letdown in my eyes. Did they rest anybody that game, you think? That's a good point. Um, I think you asked Kevin and you asked Kai if they're, they're wanting to play again. Um, and if you think that you can sort of come up against... you know, There's depth in the backcourt of the, the Charlotte Hornets. You know, Despite the fact that Lomelo Ball still hasn't hit a shot in his career, he's still talented and he's still a, a really, really great passer with a great handle. Terry Rozier going against Ter- Ter- Kyrie Irving, that could be like he a... He dropped 42. Yeah, this could be like a revenge sort of game going up against, you know, the guy, that, his spot he took in the postseason. I think Charlotte are going to, look, again, maybe this is me overanalyzing and being less optimistic about the Brooklyn Nets, but every game, I think, this season, uh, there's going to be challenges. And I think as long as the Nets are locked in and there's at least at least one of Kyrie or Kevin play, I'm going to be pretty confident. But like you mentioned, there could be some rest things that happen. I'm intrigued to see how they play against a bad team because yep. there's no motivator. Like, Golden State, it's opening night. Steph Curry, Warriors, blah, 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 blah. And now it's Boston Celtics. Oh, they're better than the Nets. You know, this is Kyrie's whole team. Plenty of motivation. You're going against the Hornets. As much hype as LaMelo Ball has, KD and Kyrie don't give a shit about him. Like, it's, it's like he hasn't done anything in the league. So, like, it, it could be the energy thing, which I would be a little concerned. But the Nets should still be able to beat them. I'll be intrigued to see if they rest one or two of the guys. Like, I have a good feeling that someone's going to be rested between... Uh, Charlotte and Memphis, but I want to see if they rest them as a duo or they rest one in one game and then rest the other in the next game. Yeah, look, and at the early point of the season, maybe these guys don't want to be rested right now. Yep. You know, there's a certain or I point think it might be more likely for the second night of the back-to-back because that's just usually the case. It's a good point. It's a good point, and we'll have to wait and see. And I think that as long as there's motivation and execution on the defensive end of the floor, you know, if the Nets play the same level of defense that they played against Boston, Charlotte's not going to get a shot. Like, Turbridge yeah. is going to not get close to 42 points because that level of defense was swarming, was, you know, in your face, was just uncomfortable in, in a lot of different ways. If they maintain their principles and at least execute it to a, at least some level of competency, then there's no stopping them against Charlotte. But look, that basketball is a very mental game. So we'll, we'll have to wait and see how it all pans out. Yeah, I'd love to see Bruce Brown, like, D up LaMelo Ball for, like, 30 minutes. <laughs> that would be sick. That would be sick. I love that. <laughs> yeah, that, that'd be a real welcome to the league rookie type moment. But uh, anything else, Jack, before we get in, get out of here? Merry Christmas and happy holidays to all Buzz fans, new and old. It's a crappy time of year, but our basketball team's playing well, and that's a nice outlet for all of us. Check out the outlet also on <laughs> our other podcasts and streaming platforms. So, yeah, it's... 
shitty year, but this is a good way to end it. Uh, go Nets and happy holidays to everyone out there, to all the listeners, all their families, and even other people who aren't listening. Uh, spreading the love. It's the Brooklyn way. Yep. And like you said, Jack, I think, you know, the year is ending shitty, but I think we all have something to look forward to in this Nets team being really, really good this season, possibly the best Nets team in Nets history. So keep an eye on that, obviously. Jack, always a pleasure. And like you said, happy holidays. Merry Christmas to everybody. We appreciate you all and all the support you can give us. And you can find us on all streaming platforms. Good stuff. Sugar Ray Leonard, Roberto Duran, Marvelous Marvin Hagler and Thomas Hearns. Legends, whose four-way rivalry defined one of the greatest eras in boxing history. Relive their decade of dominance in the new Showtime sports documentary, The Kings, a four-part series premiering Sunday, June 6th, only on Showtime. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.